Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the TF Podcast. I'm excited for my guest today. Her name is Rachel Wilson. You might know her from Cointelegraph and Forbes uh, uh, for awesome writing skills. Uh, we've had her participate in some of our past conferences and really have enjoyed seeing her uh, continue to tell some amazing news and stories. And uh, with that, uh, Rachel, uh, welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, I'd love if you could just start out real quick and just uh, introduce yourself. Um, you know, how did you get into this space and how did you start writing uh, about crypto to begin with? Yeah, so, well, I've been writing about crypto and blockchain since 2017. Um, started out by contributing to Huffington Post. And when I first heard about blockchain in 2017, it, um, I was writing i think my first story was about supply chain management and how blockchain is being applied there and you know i thought that was a really interesting use case i wanted to learn more and then the whole you know tied in element to cryptocurrency made blockchain even more interesting to me so from there i just continued learning and writing about it um, i eventually became a staff writer with bitcoin magazine Hmm. And then I became a contributor to Forbes, which was great. And then most recently, I joined Cointelegraph as staff. So I'm a reporter there and loving every minute of it. And yeah. That's awesome. Did you have a journalism background before? Or how, how did you start writing? Where did that come from? Um, yeah, so I've always loved writing. I don't have a journalism background. I have a degree in English and political science and okay. also a master's, yeah, and a master's in security <laughs> and diplomacy. So, but I mean, with all of, you know, it's all liberal arts, there's a lot of writing. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've always enjoyed writing. So writing about tech just seemed to make sense in terms of a career. And yeah, I've been doing that for about the past 10 years now. Nice, nice. Um, and so I, I'm assuming you get to interview and discuss a lot of interesting things. What are the topics that you focus most on? So like segment I'm, wise? Um, yeah, so I'm more interested in the blockchain side of things rather than the cryptocurrency side of things. I mean, I'm, I'm all for Bitcoin, don't get me wrong. But I think that blockchain as a technology is really interesting, especially in terms of, you know, supply chain management, like I've mentioned before. I think that's one of the best use cases for blockchain. Um, so enterprise blockchain, for instance, is one of the big things that I focus on. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd say that, you know, since I've left Forbes, I've gone on with Cointelegraph, I'm still focusing on enterprise blockchain. A lot of my articles um, are around that. And even the podcast that I do, which is called The Crypto Chick, a lot of those interviews are around enterprise blockchain. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Uh, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of potential and, and uh, actual practicality being used right now uh, in that space, uh, specifically supply chain. We just interviewed um, uh, Citrog um, and Cappy from Samsung, and we were talking about enterprise blockchain. And it was funny because we were talking about the notion of decentralized, right? And so um, for them, their system is decentralized because the constituents of the consortium that need to have access to this information can can access in that way, but it might not seem decentralized to, I don't know, say someone that is more from a public standpoint, right? Public blockchain, right? Um, I'm curious how how does that how does that come across or come around like when you're either interviewing folks or people talk to you about you know blockchain versus Bitcoin or blockchain versus decentralized, et cetera. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been around 
people that are heavily into cryptocurrency. Yeah. And so when you talk about enterprise blockchain and, you know, private permission blockchain networks, you know, they kind of look at you like this is completely going against everything because yeah. it's it's completely different than, than the Bitcoin open, transparent, public blockchain network. But the thing is that I've learned over the years that it's just if you're an enterprise and you have sensitive data that you want to keep private, you usually don't want to put that on a public blockchain network. Yeah. So something like Hyperledger Fabric would be perfect for enterprise blockchain to keep the data private, but it's still open, meaning if you have permission to that network, you can see the data. Not all of the data, but the data that you're supposed to be seeing. So. Okay. It's private permission, but it's still open in a way and accessible to those network participants. Totally. I think what yeah. I find most interesting about, you know, just that kind of conversation or debate is that to me, uh, it actually makes both of them stronger in a way. And this is what I mean by that is, you know, I feel like the argument for Bitcoin um, and why you would want it to be decentralized is stronger because of that for for that use of it, as well as for on the enterprise side, it's also stronger because of it because of, you know, them wanting to have access. So it's like, there is this world where you can have co coexistence, right? It doesn't need to necessarily be uh, one or the other, at least from uh, on a technology implement side, right? So yeah, I mean, I think it's really important because, you know, and like I said, I'm all for Bitcoin. I believe in Bitcoin. I think it's great. But I think that enterprise blockchain is really helping drive mainstream adoption of the technology. And it's giving blockchain as a whole a really good, you know, rep. I mean, you look at enterprises like IBM blockchain or like what Oracle is doing, and you see that they're using blockchain in these innovative ways and people you know start to think wow blockchain is a really great useful technology that can be applied you know not for all use cases but like i said supply chain management is one of those the best use cases and then that that brings legitimacy to the whole space and i think that you know these hardcore cryptocurrency folks out there you know i think sometimes they don't realize that and that's fine but that's just the way i i look at it yeah. i think it's great yeah, I agree. I think I think you're right. Like, I mean, you you can go even like with like the Libra scenario a few months ago is um, regardless of what someone's uh, opinions of of Libra are like, you know, whether it's good or bad for um, the world society, whatever, it definitely opened up um, conversation about that for uh, the mainstay. Right. And it's funny, my dad, um, he because I had a, a blockchain project I was working on a few years ago. He goes, um, hey, when that happened, he goes, hey, Jonathan, uh, Facebook did that Bitcoin thing that you tried to do only better. <laughs> I'm like, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I still don't know what's happening with Libra. Um, I, you know, I was at the Stanford blockchain conference recently and I heard um, someone from Libra speak about their language that they're using. I think it's called Move. But mm -hmm. anyways, that was the latest update I've heard about Libra. I don't know what else is going on. I, yeah, I haven't heard much from them either, um, which I kind of find interesting, right? Because it, it seems like they said a little bit too much information too quick. And so since then, they've been more quiet, which I understand. But now there's all these conversations about, you know, digital dollar, or we should have some sort of digital dollar um, and, uh, that's actually one of the conversations that Zuckerberg was having when he was on Capitol Hill, right? I was like, Hey, think of this as, 
as the digital dollar. So that, that'll definitely be interesting uh, to see yeah. what happens there. Right. And now's the perfect time yeah. for that digital dollar to come. So. Right. Right. Which is interesting on its own side. Right. Uh, Cause that there's, there's the good and the bad of that is that, um, you know, is this going to be traced or how? And it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, so going back to you, you know, from, from a, a reporting side of things, um, you know, I'd love to kind of understand what your process is. Like when you start thinking about, uh, I feel like that's a really important piece for people to understand is, is how a journalist kind of thinks through, you know, when they put, put an article together or when, what, what's they're going to be interviewing or so forth. Cause we're all consuming all this great media and content, but I'd love to kind of understand how that, that comes about. Right. So, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at trending topics. So for instance, coronavirus is a trending topic right now, unfortunately. And so anything blockchain related to coronavirus is gonna be really interesting for me. So for instance, the latest article that I published was on the Mipasa platform, which was launched by a security, a blockchain security company called Hasera. Um, I, some people think that it was launched by the World Health Organization. It was actually launched by Hasera. Um, and they're partnering with the World Health Organization and with IBM Blockchain, with Oracle, with Microsoft to gather data and to aggregate that data. And then that data, some of it gets put onto a blockchain platform and that data can be shared. But basically, they're taking data analytics um, to figure out how to subdue the coronavirus outbreak by giving health officials accurate information that they can use and make sense of to, you know, come up with recovery methods or, um, you know, to figure out hot spots and to tell people, you know, this is not the best place to be right now. Definitely stay inside. Don't go outside, which is basically what we're hearing. But there's a lot of data and it's constantly changing. And apparently that data, it's just really inaccurate when it's constantly changing that way. So that's yeah. why data analytics and blockchain is a perfect solution for Mipasa for that platform. Yeah, that's super fascinating. And it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just, there, there's so much complex data and it's taking a lot of human uh, interaction to try to make sense of that data. And, you, you know, maybe people are, are um, yeah, just, just, just like as with anything is when you have the ability to analyze it faster or better, or even just from a read standpoint, um, that's, that's super, super interesting. Yeah. My, my yeah. assumption is, is there's, a lot of more people obviously looking for that. I am right. I, I, every morning I basically look up real quick, you know, what's happening in Corona, but then obviously what's happening in my space as well. Um, super interesting. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, when I heard that story um, from IBM blockchain, they were the ones that told me about it. I immediately wanted to cover it. I was like, okay, this is really useful. It's showing people how blockchain is being used to create trusted data around the coronavirus um, because the data analytics that works to aggregate the data and make sense of it. But by putting everything on it or not everything, but some of that data on a blockchain platform, um, you know, different entities like IBM, Oracle, they can validate that data. It's not just one person saying, oh yeah, this data is accurate. There are different people saying that data is accurate and then, you know, the network participants can see the data. It's transparent. So there are benefits um, definitely there. Blockchain. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
um sorry to do this but like what else what else have you been reporting on because I, I like that story was super fascinating yeah me. yeah no worries i mean i get a ton of press releases a day as you can imagine and totally. i have to go through them and figure out what i want to cover so because my beat is enterprise blockchain i mean obviously if it has an enterprise element um and in the technology side of things i'm more interested in that versus just like oh you know let's talk about bitcoin and the price of bitcoin because i that's not my expertise yeah. like that's not what i know or what i want to cover it's like i can look at the price of bitcoin and be like oh yay it's over seven thousand today you know great but i can't write really about that so um, anything with an enterprise angle. I also wrote a really great story that's gotten a lot of traction about blockchain courses that you can take at home during quarantine. Very cool. Um, yeah, so that's obviously relevant to what's going on now. And a lot of the courses are heavily discounted or even free. And so people um, you know, with free time can get a certificate on blockchain. And so I definitely wanted to cover that story because a lot of people out there probably want to take those courses. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see actually uh, just how many people like that are offering free courses and, you know, on blockchain, but even outside of it, like I think Stanford's offering like a free um, computer, one of their computer science courses. And um, there's a quite a few, com uh, not companies, but colleges also doing the same thing. It's, it's mm -hmm. super, super interesting times. Um, yeah. What do you think changes right now for, for you when it comes to how, how you're doing things? Like, are, do you normally do your uh, investigations or, or your um, conversations? Are you, are you like meeting people in person when you do that? Is, this, is it on the phone? Is it a little bit of both? Like, what's, what's kind of the new and old with, with what's been happening in the world for, for you? Yeah. I mean, so honestly, I haven't really been impacted as much as other people because I work from home. So that's, you know, working from home, working out from home, going on runs, like that's not new to me. I've been doing that for a very, very long time. Um, I guess the only thing that's really changed is the conferences. I'm really active in going to the conferences. So a lot of those have become virtual, Yeah. which, yeah, and, and I'm totally fine with that. Like I, I love meeting people. I love getting out there, but I'm also a homebody. I'm kind of an introvert. Like I talk to people a lot and, you know, I like just being at home sometimes and like doing my own thing and being, you know, quiet and writing. So virtual conferences seems like a great idea. And I'll be keynoting at um, the virtual conference that the bad crypto guys, Joel and Travis are putting on yeah, in I a saw few that. weeks. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited about that. It will be my first virtual keynote. Yeah, it seems like there's a there's a quite a good. That, well, congrats on the first virtual keynote. Um, but yeah, it seems like there's going to be a really good crew uh, there for that event. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so it's called Virtual Blockchain Week. Um, it's at the end of April. I think it starts April 26th. And other keynotes include Tim Draper, CZ, Justin Sun, Caitlin Long, Brittany Kaiser. So we've got a really good lineup of people, and it's free. I know there are like VIP tickets that you can pay for um, where I think people can have access to like chat with the keynotes and all that. But for the most part, the conference is completely free. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll definitely be checking that out myself. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Cointelegraph is covering it. That's the media partner. Nice. That's so, great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, overall, like I'm assuming, with when it comes to like Cointelegraph or just like journalism in, in general, I'm assuming everything is kind of more on the uptick when it comes to, like COVID coverage, right? Like, does how does that work? Do you think is it? Do people start to get fatigued about information when it comes to 
um, the specifics of what's happening or does it this kind of continue to continuously stay up? I've always been curious about that. Well, I mean, I think the whole world is, you know, focused on COVID right now. Yeah. So having news stories that relate to that are going to, you know, people are going to probably want to read that. I know I'm trying to read less about coronavirus just because it's so stressful to read about it constantly. But I mean, you know, every now and then I do want to know what's happening in the world and, sure. and all of that. But um, so, I mean, yeah, that's a big topic right now, but, but I'm trying to kind of, as much as I, I you know, I think it's, it generates the views and the readership when it when it's talking about coronavirus. But I think it's important that we also focus on other news as well. Yeah. So, for instance, like um, <laughs> the data, uh, the whole Zoom thing with data being stolen. I think that's going to be something that I'm going to focus on for this upcoming week. Um, I have a good press release and someone I know that I want to interview about that. So. I'm I'm excited to read that one I, because we're using Zoom right now. <laughs> I know we are. That's why I was like, I was like, hmm, I yeah. should just should I say that or not say that? But anyways, I mean, it, it's what's happening. So yeah. Well, I mean, there's just you're right. Like, it's, there's definitely some interesting things, and you know, one of the concerns is um, that's happening when you know, when it comes to data is our own data, our location data, and and some of these um, privacies that were accustomed to having that very likely have changed already or, or will continue to change as a result, right? You, you have um, people talking about location data with your cell phones to map if you were, you know, in an infect, infected area or with someone that was infected. And while that might be a very interesting or beneficial um, tool for if it was only used for that exact thing, it's like what happens if that's mismanaged or, um, you know, used for other things later or used against you or whatnot. So yeah, I mean, yeah, data privacy. And then obviously with the whole zoom thing, there is a blockchain element. Apparently blockchain can be used to combat this. I don't know exactly how yet because I haven't done the interview with that individual, but um, I'm excited to learn about yeah. how blockchain is being used in this case. Yeah, totally. Especially because I'd be, I'm actually really curious for that too. Probably even just from a, if anything, um, at least my assumption would be is from a, um, like kind of like that authenticity point or, um, you know, really just making sure that holding people accountable and so forth. Because I think that's when we talk about blockchain, often people really focus on it. You know, blockchain might not be the right solution because they're thinking about it from a reading stamp or sorry, from a writing standpoint. Uh, but not necessarily from like a reading standpoint, right? Like access to that later. Um, and that that's, you know, it's, it, as with all technology, it, it starts to improve over time. And so if something's not maybe ready now, it doesn't mean it wouldn't be ready later. I don't know, this is my, my thought on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these block, uh, blockchain platforms, like it takes time to build them out. I mean, blockchain is still, and it's an emerging technology, it's very new. I mean, I have only been writing about the space since 2017, and I've already seen, you know, the progress that's been made, but it takes time. Like, this isn't going to happen overnight. I mean, like, these blockchain platforms aren't going to be like the silver bullet overnight, but we're getting there. We've already come such a long way within the past three years, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, I'd love to kind of just ask you a little bit more about your podcast, you know, the Crypto Chick podcast. How long have you been doing that? It's, it's been over a year now, right? 
It's been over a year. Yeah, I think actually almost two years, but I only do two shows per month. So it's not like I'm very frequent with it. Got it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good. It's good content. It's solid content. It's, yeah, no, I've listened to your interviews. Yeah, like thank them. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. So um, my last interview, I believe, was with Don Tapscott. I, I think that was the last one anyways, but it was a really, really great interview. Don had some really good insights to share about blockchain and how it's being applied in the case of coronavirus. Um, he talked about enterprise blockchain, like the promise of blockchain and the future and the reality of blockchain. So for anyone interested in learning about enterprise and even how blockchain can be applied to the coronavirus situation that's a really good episode don is is really great and i've interviewed alex his son before too so very cool um yeah. you know i'd love to understand also how over the last few years like how you've seen enterprise blockchain evolve and change right like either from a level of maturity or sophistication or um uh how people take it or, or visualize it I'm, I'm assuming you probably have a pretty interesting perspective there yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting because I started learning about, well, hearing more about enterprise blockchain after Bitcoin reached its all-time high, um, which I guess was what, the end of 2017. And then all of a sudden I, I, you know, would see more enterprises interested in blockchain as a technology. So I don't know if that had any, you know, relation to the price of Bitcoin, but maybe it just enhanced the technology and more people were getting into blockchain. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that use cases are really being built out versus, you know, 2017, 2018 to now, people are really starting to understand proper use cases. So like I said, blockchain isn't, um, it can't be applied to everything, but supply chain management is one of the best use cases. I think that challenges that still need to be overcome in terms of enterprise, it's, um, getting organizations to share sensitive data on um, one ledger. So it's like, you know, a lot of these enterprises, they get concerned knowing that this sensitive data is going to be on a ledger that other companies can potentially see. I mean, yes, they're private permission networks, but if you have permission, you can see that data. So I think that we need companies, these enterprises to understand that, like, even though you can see this data, it's still private, like, you know, zero knowledge proofs and other cryptography is ensuring the privacy of data on these networks. Another issue that we need to overcome is interoperability. So, if, you know, different blockchains can communicate with one another, that would be great. And we're just scratching the surface right now. But, you know, maybe in the next few years, we'll, we'll have a solution figured out in terms of interoperability and in terms of getting organizations to better understand that, like, yes, this data is actually blockchain network. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, um, I don't know. We've just seen, we've seen, I think, better use cases now. Um, the serious players are still here as opposed to the players that, you know, kind of disappeared. <laughs> um, so, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see what's to come. Yeah, definitely. And exactly, you know, if, if you can have staying power through those very interesting times, and then if you can continue to have stay, staying power uh, through where we're at now, um, yeah, hopefully that, that means that there's some seri uh, serious, uh, interesting companies coming out. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan, in your opinion, like what, because I know you know a lot about enterprise blockchain as well. Like, what do you think is a really interesting use case or really 
interesting company that's using blockchain? Like, I'm curious to know. Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge fan of payments, payments. Um, and, and it, you know, the, the argument around blockchain or, or even crypto around payments is the supposed latency of it. And, you know, from a, from a writing standpoint, but what, where I find it really fascinating is going back to the auditability after the fact, right. Is like the, the, so the read aspect later, and that's typically when, um, when, where the, I don't want to say issues, but that's like where, where, where people need to have that. That's why you would want the blockchain is to have like that kind of provability. So I find that one really fascinating. Um, I think, I do think supply chain and basically anything where you have to like switch hands like that is really interesting. I'm not a fan of like when people talk about the healthcare as a use case just yet. Um, and it could also be because I just, I, I don't understand it probably as well too, in fairness. But um, more because of um, it, it doesn't feel like it applies to the business case. And so what I mean by that is that um, a lot of the health insurance providers are, uh, they benefit greatly by obfuscating the data and being like the harbor of information. So like for them to like make that information available um, and and democratize, it doesn't make sense for their business use case. So I just don't see that. that that's, for example, why I don't like it. It's, it's altruistic almost of you. But, um, but yeah, pay, payments and payments and, and commerce and, and transactions, I think really is where we'll start to, um, I think that that's what I get excited about at least because it's not then just like at a larger scale of what we don't see. It's like, hey, everyday use, when I make a payment transaction, um, there's some sort of level of record management there. I don't know. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I mean, and you're right, you bring up a really good point that I haven't brought up. I mean, payments is a huge uh, use case for enterprise blockchain. Also, digital identity is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes hand in hand with payments. And even with healthcare, I mean, if we just had these decentralized digital identity solutions that, you know, are starting to come out now, um, we can potentially use that in many ways, like for payments, oh. we could, I mean, imagine going into any healthcare facility and just having that information, you know, from this doctor's appointment to that doctor appointment without having to dig through files. And that's what decentralized identity um, can bring. So that's another interesting um, use case as well that yeah. banks also are looking into. I covered a story recently about a bank using a decentralized identity solution from a company called Everest. So Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah I, yeah, I think decentralized decentralized identity is super interesting. Um, just because like, you know, I remember I, I needed to get uh, or sign up for oil from an oil and gas company because I live in an old house. And the person was like, oh, well, what's your social security number? And I'm like, well, why do you need my social security number? And I was like, oh, well, just, you know, in case there's an issue or this, that. I was like, well, you need my social security number in case I don't pay. So then that way you can potentially send me to collections or something. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. But you have my credit card on file so you can charge that. And by the way, you can still send me to collections even if you don't have my social security number if you wanted to. And it's like, well, don't worry. It's only on one computer and only one person sees this. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, if I'm worried about Experian getting their their sensitive data hacked, I'm definitely nervous about my social security number living on side of someone's computer with like Windows yeah. 2007 or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. It's like we need a better system and digital identity can bring that like decentralized digital identity so 
Well, and totally. And what's interesting is that so many is people's information is already compromised. So it's like, what do you do? Do you just give everybody a reset? Because, you know, all our social security numbers are, are just everywhere already. And yeah. um, even if you're the most careful person, which is just, it sucks. It's, it's not, it's not nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a scary world we're living in. Yeah. Yeah, this it is weird. I mean, like everything is frightening. <laughs> Where, I think, have you seen the show Black Mirror? Yeah, of course. I, yeah, right. so, I, I like it, and I think I think one of the reasons why that show's so good is because it's a few layers away from where we're at. You know what I mean? It's not like the stuff that they talk about is crazy, but then you're like, oh shit! Like that's not that far removed from from what we're talking about. So, like especially that. now with yeah. Yeah. With how we're all quarantined and we, you know, if we were to leave our house, you know, now they're saying they're recommending to wear masks and yeah, it's like an episode of the black mirror and it's like, it never ends. It's like, I wake up and I'm like, is this over yet? Is this over? Yet? It's crazy. <laughs> when am I going to be able to do something other than like go jogging outside? That's yeah. What I'm doing. Jogging outside and writing. I mean, yeah. It's, well, and it's crazy, and you might have, a, I bet you have an interesting outlook on this. It's crazy how information is used um, as tools from, you know, and not to get heavily political here, but, you know, the mask issue, right? We were told not to use masks, and any rational person was like, that doesn't seem right, but okay. Um and at the end of the day, it's like, hey, we weren't supposed, we were told not to use masks because there was a supply chain issue, right? Because there was basically the quantity on hand was not there. And let's not worry people when, um, you know, just telling people to wear a, a handkerchief, though obviously not as good as an N95 mask, would be better than, you know, no mask at all. Mm -hmm. it's, we it's weird how information is used. Um, to fit the narrative of what someone wants, regardless of who it is, right? Uh, right, I mean, and that's the thing, like going back to the me pasta, it's like, that's what I'm saying. There's so much data out there around coronavirus, even the mask, it's like, that's misinformation. Like we're being told to wear masks, we're being told not to wear masks. Like, can someone just aggregate some data, <laughs> put that on a blockchain platform and just make sense of everything that's happening with this? So I'm really hopeful for me pasta. And I told um, Jonathan, uh, levy of Hesera to keep in touch with me. Like I want to know updates. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I'm I'm definitely gonna check that out because that's he, he, that sounds super interesting. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Like I said, every yeah. morning I'm just like looking up what happened. Uh, you know, with that, and you know, my heart goes out to anybody that's suffering, and um, you know, from that right now, and it's it's just so crazy hearing the stories from um, the medical professionals and and people impacted by that. It's just it's just, it's awful. It's awful. It's really, it's really sad. And, and even, you know, and now I know people that as I'm sure you do as well, that have it or had it or in the hospital on a ventilator. And it's like, it's, it's so scary. It's so sad. Like I have nightmares about it. I have nightmares about coronavirus. I wake up in the middle of the night. I can't sleep anymore. Like a relative of, of mine is in the hospital in San Antonio on a ventilator uh. right now. And he's hanging in there, but it's like, you know, it's sad. It's just so sad just to think that like these people have families and they were just, you know, traveling one day and then come back with this. It's yeah. Awful. 
right and then and they have to be alone too like that's the worst part is like you have to be alone oh it makes it breaks yeah. my heart it's terrible yeah it's terrible it's awful well i hope uh, your family member gets better uh soon yeah it's it's um it's crazy well and it, what's weird is um or not weird, but what will be interesting to see is like, what's the world that we come out of, you know, through all this, right? Like a lot of people say is like, Hey, like this is, everything's different. Everything's changed. Like we're not going back to like the old way. Um, I don't even know what that means yet though. Right. Like, (laughs) so I don't know that too many people do. So we'll see what happens there. Right. Um, well, let's end on a happy note. So you like to run a lot. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Endorphins. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Do you just do it um, like for exercise and for fun or like do you do it competitively also? Do you do marathons or do anything like that as well? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing is this, because you were talking about like there's so much negativity in the world right now, but there's also some positive things that are coming out of this quarantine and shelter and placing. So for me, that positiveness is coming from the fact that right now I'm in Dallas. I'm not in San Francisco. I'm with my parents at their house. So I get to take um, like four mile walks almost every day with my dad. So you know, awesome. spending a lot of time with him. Um, I'm becoming a better outdoor runner. I usually, I have a treadmill at my house in Tiburon. So now that I'm in Dallas, I'm forced to run outside, but actually I'm getting really, really, really good at it. And it feels really good to just like breathe fresh air and, and, and know that you like have this great lung capacity to run. And it makes me just so thankful for my health. And I'm happy to be spending time with my parents and it's like on the weekends I get to write rather than like go out and go shopping or get my nails done or, you know, waste time, whatever. It's like, I get to do something useful, you know, and I'm not sitting around, I'm not watching TV and eating snacks and all this. Like I'm really trying to find the positive and everything. I'm really trying to yeah. make the most of this time. I think that's great. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. there, there, I think there will be a great reflection or a great awakening that comes out for certain people like yourself, like what you're talking about, right. It's like, how do you, how do you take this moment and make the best of it? And, you know, yeah, same, same here. Um, what's funny is so last night um, I have family in different parts of the world, family in Venezuela, Mexico, uh, Spain, and we have like a, a family chat and we just like joke or like, you know, send each other messages all the time. And, um, you know, earlier in the week I was like, Hey, why don't we all have dinner together on zoom? And so anyways, we did that last night. And it was so, so nice. it was so much fun. We were all just dying laughing, like trying to talk over each other. It was it was great. It was and what was funny is that like there's no reason why we couldn't have done that before COVID, because uh, we all live in different places. Um, but we made it a thing because of COVID. So it's like, hey, like let's let's just like try to be closer. And you know, if if anybody has family out there in different parts, I, I highly recommend doing it because it was a lot of fun. We're gonna do it again next week. So we'll see how many weeks in a row we keep it going. But it yeah, good. that's, that's awesome. It's like, <laughs> things like that. It, it's so great to hear. And I mean, even for me, it's like, if I'm sitting around, I'm not really sure what to do. It's like, you know what, I'm just gonna get on FaceTime and call a friend. Like I mm-hmm. used to live in Tel Aviv, like, I'm gonna just go catch up with my friends in Israel, which it's like, you know, before, before this, it's like, I never really did that. So yeah, there are some benefits, like some positivity coming out of all of this. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Just making sure people are okay and checking in on them and catching up on on stuff. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, Hey, this has been, this has been great. I, you know, I want to give you the floor if there's something you want to like 
share with people or a question that you want people to think about as they go about their day or something you want them to think about? Yeah, I mean, well, thank you. So um, first of all, I'm, I'm happy to talk to people or to answer any questions. If you know, they can reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty responsive on social media, Instagram, blockchain, and bikinis. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess to end everything on a positive note, just kind of what, like what we were talking about, Jonathan, it's like right now the world is in a different, scary, bad place, I guess. But we've just got to make the most of it. And I think that we can do that by enjoying, you know, nature, enjoying family time, catching up with friends, reading books, like doing something really good for ourselves. And now's yeah. the time. So we need to look past all the negativity and see the positive in all of this. That's how I want to end this conversation. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, it's definitely a time of, you know, empathy and compassion for folks. And, you know, one thing I like to tell people too, is um, we all have to remember that people process things differently, you know, and so like, maybe someone is affected stronger than this. And like, we might think that they shouldn't be or whatever. It's like, hey, like, we all process stuff different. I was joking with a friend who was like, man, I'm just so stressed out lately. And I don't know why I was like, it's because, you know, there's, it's a heavy time and it's not a snow day. It's not like you get to go stay at home and, you know, play in right. the snow, like you're staying at home working, but you have this other stuff. So I think it's totally okay. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Well, hey, Rachel, thank you so much. So uh, best ways to get a hold of you is on Twitter. You said Rachel Wolf zero zero. Yep. That's okay. it. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, today. Uh, uh, for those listening, I appreciate you listening and watching. Uh, please make sure that you're following uh, us at, at TF Blockchain or follow me at, at JG Product. And uh, make sure you're on the YouTube and our podcast. You can get awesome, awesome interviews like this with Rachel. Uh, we'll see you all soon. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, Bye. Thank you. Bye.